Hey everybody, welcome back to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast where we take popular properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. I'm Lindsay. And I can't tell you who I am, or where I live. It's too risky, and we've got to be careful, really careful, so we don't trust anyone, because if they find us, well, we just won't let them find us. The thing you should know is that everyone's in big trouble. Yeah, everyone. Even you. It's all in your hands! We're doing Animorphs this week! (laughs) Yeah, I totally did not get whatever meme you were referencing, so yeah. It's Axe! Axe and his cinnamon buns! Wait, did you never read Animorphs? No. Oh my gosh! This is gonna be... This is probably gonna be less us talking about adapting Animorphs and more about me just telling you how wet and wild Animorphs is. (laughs) I've always assumed so because teenagers turning into animals fighting aliens. Oh yeah, I I made a tweet a few weeks ago saying that Animorphs is just Gundam with furries. And I think that angered Benny, which is fair, because I'm going to put this out here right now. I'm going to make a lot of furry jokes, and that's not to shit on furries. Furries are great. Um, acknowledge the fact that there's some weird stuff in the furry fandom, but also there's weird stuff in every fandom, so they're not special. Yeah. The fact does remain that there are probably a lot of kids who are now furries today because they ran Animorphs. Yeah, more than likely. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, Zootopia's gonna turn kids into furries. Like, no, you're babies. You don't understand. <laughs> Between Animorphs and Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Yeah, because Thackeray, man. Yeah. I don't know why the reaction to that from so many children was like, I also want to be a cat! You know he was cursed, right? Yeah, but a cat's life is a pretty great life. That's true, and you get nine of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that whole intro spiel, I was reading off one of the books. Okay. I was partially inspired to do this because, on a whim, I walked into the used bookstore a few weeks ago, and I was like, hey, do you guys have any Animorphs? And she was like, yes, we just got some yesterday. <laughs> So, uh, oh no, I, I was able, I was able to get like four random copies of the series. Nice. For some reason, for some reason, they're all Cassie books. So I guess whoever had these just didn't want Cassie. Okay. Cassie gets shit on a lot in the fandom. And I'm not going to say it's because she's black, but well, and she's a pacifist. So that probably also doesn't help. Yeah, she's just the one who doesn't like to fight the aliens. Ooh. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me give a breakdown of what Amors is, because it was something that was simultaneously the biggest shit and also super, super niche. <laughs> okay. The story is about five teenagers and one teenage alien, after a few books, who are on Earth and they have to fight an alien invasion by the Yurks, who are slugs that will crawl inside your ear and take over your brain and control you. That's what I fear about earwigs and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yurks are worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so in order to fight the aliens, they receive the power from a different alien to morph into whatever animal they can touch. And they absorb its DNA and they can morph into it. But there are some catches, like you can't go from one morph to another. And if you stay in a morph longer than two of your Earth hours, then you become trapped in the morph. And that's what happens to one of the characters, Tobias, at the end of the book. He's trapped as a red-tailed hawk. So he becomes the emo bird for the rest of the series. Oh, poor baby. He does get a little bit better, because eventually God shows up. Like, G-O-D? 
God? Like, well, not, not, not the Christian Abrahamic God. Um, he's called the Elamist, and he's basically a gamer who gamed too hard. And <laughs> through, a, through a succession of events, he became the equivalent of God. Hey, remember that one time I was telling you about the conspiracy involving uh, L. Ron Hubbard, Aleister Crowley, and Jack Parsons and MIB? <laughs> one of those moments where you just like stared off into middle distance like you're on the fucking <laughs> office? Yep. <laughs> so, even though God is not the Abrahamic God, he might as well be the Abrahamic God and he's a gamer? He's a gamer, yeah. It's like, imagine if someone saw... Imagine if aliens found your Let's Plays of Sid Meier's Civilization. <laughs> and they thought it was real, so they destroyed your entire planet. Oh my god. And then you got absorbed by a moon sponge. But then you beat him at chess enough times that you took over the moon sponge. And then you found another person... <laughs> Who has gone through basically the exact same thing, but they're an asshole. And you wage cosmic wars. And then you fall into a black hole and become god. And then your nemesis was like, I also want to be a god. So they do the same thing. Oh my god. <laughs> that... That's the deep lore. <laughs> That's not even the main plot. That's just fun so background information. That is such, such middle school sci-fi. It's good. It's actually real good sci-fi. I mean, it's not necessarily hard science fiction, but... No! It, it's good science fiction in that it, like, makes you question stuff. It gets becomes very uh, morally gray by the end. They commit war crimes. Ooh. Some of them do involve instant oatmeal, but still, it's chemical <laughs> warfare. Okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, they can turn into animals to fight the Yerks. It's a whole guerrilla war because they can't tell anyone else because they don't know who is a controller, a person who's been infested by a yerk. And the big bad is a guy named Visser Three, who's the third best yerk commander. He's the only guy who's taken control of an Andalite body. The Andalites, let me tell you about the Andalites. The Andalites invented the morphing technology. They are space centaurs. Oh. But they're blue. Blue space centaurs, okay. With, that... with uh, stingers, or not stingers, but like big blades on the end of their prehensile tails. Okay, well that's better than the fucking ends of the of those aliens from the from Avatar. This is true. They also have an extra pair of eyes on stalks atop their heads that they can use to have 360 degree vision. Okay. And no mouths! How do they eat? With their hooves. Because of course that makes sense. <laughs> and they speak with their, their telepathic, which is the least weird thing about them. Yeah. Um, yeah. K.A. Applegate, the lady who wrote most of the books, there's a chunk in the middle that were ghostwritten because she was, like, busy writing other series that okay. were even more terrifying science fiction oh. for children. For children, of course. Yeah, she has... Two other, like, very popular series. One of them is called Remnants, and it starts with the Earth exploding, and then it basically becomes Middle Grade Event Horizon. Okay. And then the other one is called Remnants, and it's about a group of people who get sucked into, like, a world where all myths are true, and then they have to fight Hitler God. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
And I think the KKK show up at some point, but I'm pretty sure they also get their asses kicked. I don't know. I never read Everworld. I was talking to our friend Jackie about that series because she's the one who read that one. Okay. Yeah, you see, I, I as a middle schooler, never really got into sci-fi. I was more historical fiction and being super pretentious and trying to read Leo Tosoy. Yeah, I didn't get Anna Karenina until I was older. Oh, you're, you're so behind the curve on that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kay Applegate, who wrote the series, she originally she didn't want to make the aliens as weird as they ended up being because she was like, well, what if this gets turned into a TV show or something? I don't want it to be too hard. And then Scholastic was like, no, no, we want you to make them as weird as you humanly can. And she's like, all right, fucking blue centaurs eat with their hooves. Let's go for it. <laughs> And then they tried making a live-action TV show out of it anyways. Yeah, I, I do vaguely remember the live-action TV show. What channel was it on? Was it, like, Family? Nickelodeon. Oh, Nickelodeon. Well, yeah, it probably did show up on... Actually, no, it would have showed up on YTV for us. For whatever reason, my mind's pinging to PBS, but I don't know if that would be the right channel for it. It would not have shown up on PBS. No. Because it was like, they're trying to make it edgy enough for teens, but yeah. still... Uh, like enough that children could read it because the, it was the children who were reading this book. They The parents didn't realize the children were reading about teenagers getting PTSD from fighting against genocidal aliens. Yeah, they sold it at the Scholastic uh, book fairs all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, those are the best. For sure. What else? I should talk about the main characters. Yes. So we have six Animorphs, or five, depending on if you wanted to define Axe as an Animorph. Uh, we'll get to him. So we have Jake, who is the leader? He he's a little chubby. We like the by reading the deep text through Tumblr blogs <laughs> that I've started following. They have noted like empirical textual evidence that Jake was a chubby kid. Okay, there's a lot of chubby kids in middle school. Exactly, and he is the leader because he's always the guy who takes charge. He kind of is the mediator. He's very much doesn't like when people go off on their own because he doesn't, he feels like if someone gets hurt, then that's going to be on his hands. And oh, yeah. Jake, you're going to have so much blood on your hands by the end of the series. <laughs> and his main morph is a tiger. Okay. Then we have Rachel, who is one part Xeno Warrior Princess and one part Malibu Barbie. I'm pretty sure that's literally how she gets described in one book. Sounds cool. These books are also super 90s. It's great. Oh, nice. They, yeah, they have, <laughs> they have an XP of Jonathan Taylor Thomas show up <laughs> to encourage kids to join the uh, Scientology front that the aliens are using to infest people. But... No, do they actually say, drop, like, Scientology? Do they say Scientology? It's not Scientology, Scientology it's the oh. sharing. Oh, yeah, because the Church of Scientology is also super litigious. Oh, yeah, they would, they would sue KA for sure. So it's oh not science. It's not Scientology, but it's super Scientology, but it, with brain slugs. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Scientology, and knowing that you're kind of the resident expert on them, <laughs> I'm not the expert. I just know a little bit more than you. You, if you tried hard enough, you could easily surpass my yeah. knowledge. So uh, there was a trailer that went out. I want to say back last winter for a TV show. I don't know if it if it's ever been picked up about Jack Parsons. The rocket scientist who was also an occultist who was also involved with Eleanor Yeah, the Hubbard. guy who opened the door to the underworld and let loose all like the seven sins into the <laughs> world. That wasn't his intention, though he was trying to bring about the Antichrist. 
I feel like we're going to need a full episode to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So I know. Anyway. I know. Next week we'll be starting. Like we'll be starting episodes that get released in December. So I have yeah. a list on the spreadsheet. Is hey, let's do Christmas stuff. But I would not be surprised. You're like, hey, Tanner, let me tell you about when the Antichrist came into our plane of existence. <laughs> existence. Yeah. Because so- of fucking Elrond. <laughs> yeah, so there's this TV show pilot out there. I don't know if it ever got picked up. It might have, but it's about Jack Parsons and uh, Beth Elderkeen from, uh, she used to do shark jumping. Uh, she did a review of that for io9, who she works for now. And um, she's like, yeah, this seems like really interesting and really kooky. The only problem is when L. Ron Hubbard actually enters the picture and what the Church of Scientology is going to do about it. Yeah. Well, fortunately for us, you can't sue anyone through podcasts. <laughs> we're a special domain. Yes, we're, we are the newest of new media. Yeah. There are still people who are like, what's a podcast? It's like radio for your ears. Yeah. Though, for me, it's getting up there with that whole what's a paladin joke that used to be funny. <laughs> what are birds? You just don't know. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, back to the characters. Back to the characters. Okay, so we have Rachel, who, she starts off as, like, the, the generic pretty blonde uh, the high school or junior high school babe ages are nebulous. I'm pretty sure they're in high school for most of the series. Yeah. And once she starts fighting against the Yerks, she realizes, oh, she likes a murder. Okay. So she gets very violent and bloodlusty whenever they have to combat the alien forces. And her two preferred morph- battle morphs are a grizzly bear and a... What was the other one? An elephant. Okay. And, Makes sense. And there is a scene where she mops the floor while Morph does a grizzly bear. Cool. I can't remember the context. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was just a scene where she she starts mopping the floor while Jake and Tiger Morph is holding the bucket. (laughs) And the two onlookers are like, are we on drugs? And the other one's like, oh, we must be because this is carpeted floor. (laughs) And I do not remember Uh... any of the context for that scene. (laughs) Well, it just sounds cool. So don't really need a whole lot of context. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh yeah, there's also Rachel got all the weird morph stuff happened to her. Like there was a book where she was allergic to alligator DNA. And so she had like, she had to reject it from her body by just like expelling a fully grown alligator from her back. Okay. Like it just kind of bursts out alien style. Not really alien style because she survived, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, she just, she burst. She burped an alligator, and they had to deal with that. <sighs> there was also the time where she morphed a starfish, and then a kid cut her in half, and then when both halves of the starfish demorphed, like, one was good Rachel, one was evil Rachel. Okay. And so then in order to fix it, they had to, like, morph each other, and then, like, fuse it back into a singular being. That one was weird. I'm pretty sure that was one of the ghost-written books. Yeah. But yeah, so that that happens with Rachel. Oh yeah, and Rachel is also Jake's cousin. And they're both Jewish, which does not come up a lot in the books, except for the book where they went back in time and had to stop the Yerks from helping the Nazis win. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's time travel, but just in two books. Oh, thank God. Actually, maybe three. I don't know. Andalite Chronicles was weird. There were race car aliens. 
Okay, well, whatever. Anyways, so we have managed to talk about three characters so far <laughs> of the of the main cast. Uh, yeah. Let's see, next Animorph is Cassie, who I mentioned before. She is the nature-loving, peaceful, pacifist member of the Animorphs. She is also the best at morphing, because everyone... When they morph, they get real crunchy and gross, and she's able to make it look kind of normal when she turns into animals. Okay. Except, you know, the bugs, because there are many scenes where it's like, we morphed a fly, my face exploded into, like, proboscis and shit. Joy. Yeah, this is n not a book you go into without preparing, because, oh shit, Lindsay, you may not be able to read this series, actually. You know what? I could probably read a couple of them. Probably not the whole thing. Yeah. See, it's weird because I didn't realize how graphic it got when I read them as a child. And then I like see experts from now and I'm like, oh, dang, how was I not traumatized by these? I don't know. Maybe you were just like so enraptured by... I was enraptured by the, the corner flippies. Because you know the corner flippies, right? No, I don't know about the corner flippies. Because in the... Yeah. This, this is not going to work on the audio medium. But in the corner of each book, there's a picture of the narrator... And when you, let's see if I can, when you flip it, and now she's a horse. Awesome. I have no awesome. idea if you were even able to see that. <laughs> I saw it. That's cool. In elementary school, we had a math textbook that had one of those corner flippies where it was like a triceratops that would turn into a, a cube, I think, or a diamond. What? It wasn't that gross. It was more just like... I yeah, but why? What's, what's the point? I don't know. It was for kids. What's the mathematical formula that turns a triceratops into a cube? <laughs> uh, more for teaching shapes, I guess, or giving the eight-year-old something to do other than be rambunctious and annoying. Yeah. But yeah, so Cassie. Cassie is also... She's the only black member of the team. Um, and she has a crush on Jake, and vice versa. Uh. They kind of become an item midway through the series when they learn how to have feelings and talk about feelings. Yeah, well, that comes with the age and maturity. Yeah, and we're, we're too busy fighting aliens to have grown-up discussions. Mm -hmm. And I don't dislike Cassie, but I, re I do feel like I really need to reread the series to get an appreciation for her that the Cassie fans do have. Yeah. But yeah, apparently she gets shit on a lot by the fandom because she's hypocritical or something i don't know again i'd have to reread the series before i can weigh in on that but i'm just gonna say that uh, i don't want to say that's because she's the most visible minority but yeah or are assholes and they don't realize what they do yeah or they do or they do or i don't know maybe she isn't the best friend character in the series i don't know I've never read the book, so I'm just assuming that, you know, the problem is, you know, the pacifist character can sometimes be rather ham-fisted. Yeah, she's also, oh, she's also important because her mom runs the gardens, which is a zoo, a combination zoo and theme park. Okay. So that's where they go to get all of their really cool morphs, basically. Cool. And her main battle morph is a wolf. Nice. Then we have Marco. And he's the jokester of the group. Of course. That's, that's where a lot of his characterization is, that he's the funny one. Um, but he does also have important stuff because he's kind of the one who keeps his humanity the most. Okay. Through all of this, because, like, Jake gets PTSD, Rachel becomes very bloodthirsty, uh, Tobias becomes a bird. Oh, yeah. And Cassie seems to do all right, but, it, like, by the end it kind of feels like she's 
overcompensating mm. her humanity and her normalness to kind of not get sucked into the pit that everyone else does. But Marco is super fine and super chill with a lot of stuff. Okay. He's, Marco's, I would say Marco is the best written one because he has very realistic reactions to things because he's able to keep his cool with normal things. Although he does find out early on that his mother is Visser 1, so she's the most bestest of the Yerks. Oh. Which is a troubling because he thought she died. Yeah. And then she showed up and like, what up, I'm alive and I have a slug in my brain. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> That's terrifying. Yep. So anyways, then we get to Tobias, who I feel like is a lot of people's favorite characters if they read the books and no one's favorite character if they watch the show. He's a little creepy on the show. Oh. But not so creepy that you, if you Google uh, Tobias Rachel AMVs that you get a whole bunch of them on YouTube made from the very few clips they have access to from the show. Because again, he a bird. Yeah. He was not born a bird, but he is a bird. <laughs> he gets stuck as a red-tailed hawk for most of the series. And then as I mentioned before, the Elemis shows up and he's like, well, I'll give you back the morphing power. So you can, your base form is a bird, and you can still acquire stuff. And I'm also, oh yeah, so there is some light time travel, where he sends Bird Tobias back in time to acquire his past self, so that he can morph into his human form. Okay. And so, yeah, so then the Elmas is like, you can acquire your human form, and then become a human, and then trap yourself as a human, or you can be a hawk and keep morphing and help the Animorphs, but you're still a hawk. And Tobias chooses to be a hawk. Okay, so I guess he's going, well, you know, Fresh Rabbit isn't that bad. There, uh, there is a lot of bird angst. It's, and it's real good. Well, because he... Here's the thing, is that while he wants to be human, he's not opposed to being a hawk, because he's also... He's from not one, but two troubled homes. Okay. That basically just pass him back and forth, like, every month, because it's... I don't think it's foster care, but it's like a random cousin on one side of the family and a random aunt on the other side of the family. Uh, and they really don't want anything to do with him, but they'll take him in to get like the tax break or whatever. Joy. And so when he does get trapped as a hawk, they, they, like no one really notices. And like, well, he's a troubled youth and each one family thinks that the other one has him and they're not going to worry about it because they're bad. Or that he ran away. Yeah, something like that. Because who who cares about the runaway? Exactly. And so he, like, he has some trauma because he is desperately trying to hold on to his humanity while he's hunting Rabbit and, like, trying to keep other hawks from encroaching on his territory. But he also is, he's okay with being a hawk because he can kind of shut down his emotions and be a predator and, like, be free and fly. Thermals. God, there's so much talk about thermals in this book series because they have to morph birds a lot to get places. And they're like... Oh, and then we cut the thermal. The thermals are so great. I'm going to spend three pages of this 80-page book waxing poetic about thermals. <laughs> so. So then we have Axe. Okay. And or, or in his full name is Aximili Eskaroth Isthal. Of course he has to have an overly long name. All the Andalites have really long names. But it's just, like, a thing with sci-fi aliens is that there's at least one species with, like, super long names. It's like elves. <laughs> because there's always, like, the other species of alien, because there's at least two species of alien. The other one has, like, really short, brutal-sounding names. <laughs> Hello, I am Grack. Yeah, basically. And this is my friend. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> Hi! 
I do love when sci-fi writers get just buck wild with alien names. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, have you ever read any of the Ringworld books? I feel like no. No. Well, okay, well, there's a species in there called the Pearson's Puppeteers. Yeah. And they're, in their native language, it's like a whole bunch of, like, horn and, like, instrumental noises, basically. Okay. Because they have very dexterous vocal cords. Cool. And t- also, they are, they're two-headed. Okay. So the language involves both heads saying, like, different stuff at once. Okay. And they're also blue centaurs, but they only have three legs, because let's just get even weirder. Yeah. There is a scene where the main character is like, what's your name? And he's like, well, I've decided to take the name Nessus after one of your mythological centaurs. And he's like, okay, but what's your real name? And then he describes hearing a noise that it was like the Beatles being run through a garburator. (laughs) And there's a beat, and he's just like, Nice to meet you, Nessus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Aximili Eskaroth Estil, the younger brother of War Prince Elfanger Serenial Shamtel. Elfanger is also the Andalite who crash lands on Earth and gives the kids their morphing technology. Okay. And then he gets eaten by Visser 3. Oh, joy. Because Visser 3 is also in an Andalite body, so he also has access to morphs. And he just goes around acquiring the most, like, terrifying, monstrous morphs he can. Of course. And so, Axe is, yeah, Elfanger's younger brother. They find him underwater inside a craft spaceship that also has, like, a dome, a nature dome inside it. Okay. Because that's how they, well, because they needed the nature dome so that they can eat with their hooves, Lindsay. Uh, Okay. And he joins the group, (laughs) and he, because he's a blue space centaur and they can't have him running around, he does acquire the DNA of the four human anamorphs, and then he mixes them together inside his body, because I guess that's a thing you can do, even though it only comes up once. Thank God. It's the, he does the Froless maneuver. Ugh. And he mixes the DNA of these four kids to become a disturbingly attractive pretty boy, basically. Oh! <laughs> like, the, <laughs> whenever he's described in his human morph, it's like, um, I am going to take a note from our mutual inspiration, Lindsay Ellis. Yeah, Axe just kind of looks like an a-ethnic mush of unparalleled hotness. <laughs> there are several scenes where Marco is like, and Axe was so pretty. Marco is a bicon. He's this week's bi- bisexual icon. Okay. Like, Shannon Maynard. Shannon Maynard, if you're listening to this, first off, hi, how are you? We love you. (laughs) Second of all, your bisexual icon is Lee Shang. My bisexual icon is Marco. (laughs) From Animorphs. Um, It was not confirmed until after the fact, but basically, you know how... Someone described it as Kay Applegate and her husband, Michael Grant, who helped her write the series. Yeah. They, they basically wrote it together. Okay. Um, they said they do what J.K. Rowling doesn't. <laughs> Whereas yeah. J.K. Rowling, she'll come in and is like, no, Dumbledore was totally gay. Trust me. Didn't you see the signs? I mean, <laughs> he wore heels. <laughs> 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 Fucking. Uh, yeah. So when J.K. Rowling does stuff like that, um, on the flip side, you have Kay Applegate and Michael Grant, who someone asked them about the possibility of any of the characters being queer, and Kay Applegate was like, we never explicitly wrote them like that, but I'm glad that people are able to read them like that. 
I wish we did make it more gayer even back then. I know it was the 90s, but I still wish we had put more explicit representation in there. And if reading Marco as bisexual or Tobias as trans is something that really helps you, then by all means, go for it. And Michael Grant's response was, you know what? I've declared it now. My, uh, Marco is now bi. It is canon. Case closed. Yeah. I prefer that to whatever the fuck J.K. Rowling and David Yates are doing with the Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Fuck me. <laughs> it was great. It was like, it's this whole Twitter exchange where someone's like, hey, Michael Grant, look at all this textual evidence of Marco saying that Axe and Jake are cute. And Michael Grant was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. He has to be bisexual. It is law. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, to keep me away from the pit of despair that is J.K. Rowling. Okay, let me drag you out by the fact that Axe, so let me remind you, Andalites have no mouths. So when Axe morphs a human, he kind of goes a bit sense crazy. So for the for you can't you can't taste things with your hooves, Lindsay. Don't be ridiculous. So <laughs> when he starts eating human food, he just has like this whole epiphany about flavor. Okay. And he will eat anything. It's like oh, these delicious human treats, like the globules I found on the floor of the movie theater and motor oil. Ah. Uh. <laughs> He's sounding like Telly. <laughs> oh my god. The, they would get along very well. <laughs> no, except X X does like human food. His favorite food is sin cinnamon buns buns. Because also, he has no mouth. So or, he has no mouth. So when he gets one, he absolutely will scream because he likes making mouth noises. <laughs> Perfect. So he'll like he'll be in the middle of giving them some like space sci-fi exposition as a human, and then he'll stop midway and be like, "Yeah, it's ha what happens in Z space, space, Z space." <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going from like not quite starfish alien, but close to getting to starfish alien levels of strange to l humanoid, well. Yeah, have at her. Try out all the different, you know, stuff. There are so many starfish aliens in this series. It's great. Yeah. There's, there are these Skritna who are, they start off as cockroaches, giant cockroaches, but then when they pupate, they turn into, like, the greys. Oh. Okay. Uh, there's the hork -Bajir. Yeah, the Skritna aren't very important. The hork are more important because they're uh, big dinosaurs covered in razor-sharp green blades. Cool. So, like, they're described as, like, the walking... A walking... Just knives. They're knives. They're made of knives. <laughs> they turn you into coleslaw. Cool. Um, but their their whole thing is that, like, they, their entire race was infested by the Yerks, and once they're, some of them are able to escape, they're actually super chill. They're, they are kind of, like, space Native Americans. Okay. But, like, it is handled really well, and they're, like, they do get compared more in the sense that when they try setting up a little colony on Earth hidden away from humanity, some of the animals are like, maybe at some point we can get other humans to help protect them. And they're like, yeah, that went so well for Native Americans. Ah, fuck. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, Marco's Latino. Uh, so Well, I kind of is... got that from the name. Yeah. This, yeah, I, I, I should point out, like, Cassie is not the only singular minority in this. <laughs> they have two minorities and an alien. They have, they have three. Yeah. Because Jake and Rachel are Jewish. Oh, yeah. They, they have two Jewish characters. They have a black girl. They have bisexual Latino. They have a bird. And they have an alien. 
<laughs> Burn! <laughs> <laughs> well, and of course, if you want, you can also subscribe to the theory that Tobias is trans, okay. which I support. I I don't fall on one side or the other, but again, if that's something you dig, then I dig that too. Yeah. And it makes sense. There's a lot of like the more a bit more uh, on the serious note, but I really get how this would have helped a lot of, or not necessarily helped, but really resonated with a lot of young trans and non-binary readers. Yeah, just the whole idea of being able to change your body and shift to a form that's more comfortable to you, or on the flip side, being trapped in a form that you're not comfortable with, but you try and get used to it because that's just how you have to live. But maybe you don't have to live. Maybe one day the God of Power Gamers will show up at your doorstep and give you the ability. Yeah. That's when the metaphor falls apart, but... Yeah. It super makes sense. And then also just the, the ostracization. You know, looking back on it, maybe young, to, maybe young me, young my inner gay, did <laughs> like um, appreciate Tobias's self-ostracization because I super did not realize I was gay when I was reading the series. But... I did know I was this weird kid who hang, hung out on the outside of the conversation with a lot of people. So yeah, the, when Tobias is like, I'm a loner, I'm like, I like you, Tobias. I'm also a loner. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We also, I did totally try and name my first dog X, oh. but the full name. I was like, my mom was like, Tanner, you get to name the dog. I'm like, okay, Aximili Eskarothistil. And she's like, no. <laughs> so I went, okay, how about Jake? And then she's like, yes, we can do Jake. <laughs> so we got Jake named after Jake from Animorphs but then our second dog was Elwood after Elwood Blues because then they were Jake and Elwood Blues yeah and then we got Flower because she already had a previous owner and she already knew her name allegedly allegedly <laughs> she doesn't respond to it anymore but that's probably just because she's deaf yeah I, I have stood right behind her and yelled like Flower Flower <laughs> and she just doesn't even move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's surprising how dogs respond to names, even if you change their names. Like, um, we got Coda from a breeder. He famously has skin issues up the wazoo. And yes. this breeder in particular wanted to use uh, her dogs for shows. Mm -hmm. So they have to be perfect. Perfect. Ugh. By whatever kennel... What, I think it's called, like, the Canadian Kennel Association. Yeah. As teams. opposed to your dog, Coda, who molts like a snake. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he was originally named Bear, and then Mom brought him home, and we had the whole debate about what to name him, because he kind of looks like a fox. He also ha looks like a bear, because he does that whole, like, pause his face thing when he's on the ground, and it's super cute, because he <laughs> does look like a titty bear. <laughs> and we settled on Coda, even though Mom wanted to name him Renard. Heh. <laughs> The one time my mom gets more pretentious than me. Ah, <laughs> uh, that no, Renard Super would not have fit Coda. No. We're like, Coda, Coda, but no, we're like, hey, Renard. <laughs> Renard. You can't really say Renard in a cutesy way. No, you almost have to go like Quebecois and. Renard. 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 Renard Tabernacle. <laughs> God. So, oh yeah, this is a this is a show where we do adaptations, right? And yeah. remakes and shit. It's called Not If I Reboot You First. It's right in the title. Okay, so here's the thing about Animorphs. It was super, super popular. There was like about 60 books published. 
which is uh-huh. easy when you're ghostwriting half of them and releasing them monthly. Yeah. But the thing is, because of what it is, it is very hard to merchandise this series. Yeah. So if you can look up Animorphs Transformers and gaze onto the horror that is the, the attempt to team up with Hasbro to create these, they go from very messed up humans to just, are you looking at them now? No, I'm visualizing this. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't want to have nightmares, Tanner. You, you know how with a normal Transformer, like a Beast Wars Transformer, when it transforms, it still has a bunch of animal bits just kind of hanging off? Yeah. And that works fine, because they're like robots, and the, anim- the animal yeah. bits are basically shells. Yeah. Okay, but imagine trying to do that with humans, but they just have animal bits hanging off. And you have, like, this Jake toy that it's jeans and then halfway down it just turns into tiger feet because they have no place to put the tiger feet. And so it's just this, like, weird wear tiger that looks super chill turning into a full tiger. Ah! They, they came out with one toy, which was three of them turning into parts of a T-Rex, and then you combined it, which doesn't make sense, because they don't do that! In any at any point, they're not fucking Voltron. <laughs> Can we not with the flesh Voltron? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I realize Super Sentai can get fucking weird, but even the Japanese don't go that weird. Then <laughs> they show kids. Yeah, yeah, like that. that they, they turn. They, they fluidly turn into animals. They're not- they didn't get turned into maximals. <laughs> They're people who turn into animals. So yeah, so the toys were right out. The only ones that made a lick of sense were like the ones that went from one alien to a different kind of alien. Yeah. Um, there was also the aforementioned TV show, which the, we can talk a lot- we can talk so much shit about it. We don't have to, because Sky and Jake- talked a lot of shit about it on pop culture failure yeah but let's just say we can they tried they tried real hard real hard they tried real like there are definitely parts that work like there are some episodes that are done 50 percent well and the actors did take this very seriously even when the script was lacking the theme song is very much a lot of 90s but it also slaps Okay. I will admit that. Hot take, the Animorphs theme song slaps because it is all in your hands. So hold on and hold back the darkness. Okay. But also, yeah, like the, the all the morphing sequences is just this really bad photo. Like, I, if I had Photoshop in 10 minutes, I could whip up morphing sequences just as good as the Nickelodeon Animorphs TV show. <laughs> I'd just, I'd photo manipulate myself morphing into flower and then I'd like dub in some noises of me just like, grinding up chicken bones because oh the foley work oh okay this uh, these are some very crunchy morph sequences uh, uh. <laughs> don't don't need don't want well fortunately for us they never on screen show them turning into like any of the bugs or shit like that yeah actually most of the time they don't show the morphing on screen at all there'll be an animal and there'll be a voice of it like it's me cassie and then they cut to everyone going like, whoa! And that cuts back and Cassie's fine. She's like, hey guys, I was a horse just now, did you see? Did you hear me crunch? My horse crunching? So, um, I guess with modern technology we can have way better morphing scenes if we want. Well, I'm actually, 
I was originally going to suggest this as Animorphs the Anime. Okay, yeah. Animorphs. Go to DreamWorks, I guess? Yeah. Like, either either uh, like an anime-esque thing, like how they do with the Avatar series or with Voltron, or just straight up fine animation company. Yeah. Because as much as I kind of mocked a lot of stuff about Devilman Crybaby, I feel like some of the animation style for that would work. Although I am mainly saying that because that's a fucking gory show, and this has the potential to be a fucking gory series. For kids! For the children! We need to teach the children about war crimes. War <laughs> is hell. Uh, well. Animorphs is Animal Gundam. <laughs> so in the, they're in the usual kill them all ending and... There you go. Oh, uh, well... Okay, let's let's get into some spoiler territory for Animorphs, because, Lindsay, I know you don't care. Yeah. The series does end... The last few books end with, let's see, their identities get discovered. I think several of them lose their extended family, either to death or infestation. Um, they recruit a bunch of disabled kids to be auxiliary Animorphs, because they figured the Yerks wouldn't have bothered with that. Mm-hmm. So they go from, like, 5 to 20... And then the auxiliary animorphs are used as a distraction on the ground forces so they can escape to the mothership, and they all die. Oh. Which is something I would, like, I get what happened. I, I know it wasn't, like, a targeted thing, but I am uncomfortable with just, like, this whole squadron of disabled kids being used as cannon fodder. Yeah. So that is something I would probably change in the adaptation. But yeah, so they all die. And then they get to the mothership. Rachel dies after killing Jake's cousin, who is also a controller, and Jake orders them to flush the Yerk pool. And so, like, 10,000 Yerk slugs are just launched into the vacuum of space. Oh, okay. And so Jake has to deal with committing a war crime. Like, the end of the book is Axe gets assimilated by a new alien threat, and then Jake and Marco and Tobias ram that alien with their own spaceship, and they presumably die in the fallout. It is the very divisive ending. And, like... Well- well, you were saying that uh, Michael Grant was, like, the co-creator of this, right? Yeah, well, like, K.A. was the main yeah. driver. And she is the one who she's the one who wrote the ending, and she's the one who wrote two letters to fans who were uncomfortable with the ending. This is the same Michael Grant as the guy who wrote uh, the Gone series, so... Yes. I'm not surprised that it got dark and gory. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why I never continued with Gone, like, Gone is a well-written book. Yes. Just... Not quite, you know, heart of iron, stomach of paper mache. Exactly. <sighs> oh, did you I... get to the book with the bugs? Huh? Did you get to the book where they had the bugs? I never read those books. Oh, I thought you just said you tried. Oh, no, I read the first book of Gone, and that okay, was it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a good thing you did not get to Plague. Yeah. Look, um, I read this one book recently called, um, it's an old book, um, called, um, and the, uh, and Onward Flows the Dawn or something like that. It's a Russian book got translated into English back in the 60s. And at the end, one of the characters dies from getting a dumb, dumb bullet. It's during a big firefight during the Russian Civil War, and she gets hit with a dumb, dumb bullet. And the thing about dumb, dumb bullets is that they, like, ricochet through your innards and it's gross and yeah i nearly fainted on the plane oh great yeah 
I love a chunky salsa. Yeah. But it's also a Russian book, so I expect a downer ending. <laughs> um, well, Slavs yeah, have so to suffer. <laughs> yes. The reason that the ending of the Animorph series is a point of contention with a lot of people isn't because of the War is Hell part. Like, K.A. wrote this whole, like, two separate letters about how War is Hell, and it never changes, but it changes people, and you never really recover, and no one truly wins in a war. Even if there is a more defined villain side, there were still many Yerks that were innocent, and there are many Yerks that only went along with it because, like, otherwise they're just blind slugs in a sludge lake. Like, all they wanted was to experience a lot. Like, there is a subplot, like, part, uh, yeah, partway through the series, where they discovered the Yerk Peace Movement, which is a group of Yerks trying to find willing controllers. Okay. That, like, they basically allow the humans or whoever to have most of the control of the body, and the Yerks just kind of want to experience sight and sound and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then they flush the Yerk pool into the vacuum of space and kill a whole bunch of potentially innocents, or maybe they are, or just as bad. Like, that's, it's, it's a morality conundrum, but yeah, yeah, it's this whole thing. And she was saying, like, yeah, like, they, for a lot of them, they never would have stopped living the war. Even Marco, who seems to be the most well-adjusted, he never would have stopped being part of the war against the Yerks. And everyone's like, no, no, we get that. We're fine with that. Our issue is that you introduced a random new villain in the last ten pages of the last book and just kind of ended it. Yeah, We would have preferred a, just a downer ending where Jake is sitting at home with depression than this kind of ending where, like, okay, yeah, they go out sweating. It makes sense for the characters, but it's like you're setting up a sequel series that you have no intention to write. Yeah, yeah. Don't write a cliffhanger if you have no intention of, um... Fulfilling that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the ending would probably change to something more definitive. Yeah. But, yeah, so... And this is, like, the reason I want it to be animated... And... I've, okay, I've talked a lot about pop culture failure, and every episode, uh, Sky mentions that they should have made this an animated series. I'm not cribbing that from you, Sky. I also just shared that same opinion. Yeah. Like, for the past two years, basically. <laughs> it's a good opinion to have. Yeah. Even even with today's technology, because here's the other thing. So here's the other person. Like, I just kind of found the perfect storm of Animorphs content okay. that led me to this. Because, oh, no. yeah, I got some Animorphs books from the used bookstore. Uh, Pop Culture Failure did the Animorphs series, and I started listening to that. And also, Surge from Cold Crash Pictures has a <laughs> few videos and many tweets about how we need an Animorphs Netflix series. And he's the, he's the guy who says that we can still do live action. And I'm saying, I, even with today's technology, I don't think it would look right if we did live action. Yeah, it hasn't quite gone out of the Uncanny Valley yet. It's getting there. Yeah. I would say give it another think, five years, but like... Yeah. Like, with the morphing technology, sure, that could work. But some of the other sci-fi stuff, and especially with the aliens. Like, just yeah. let's just think of the Andalites, who are blue alien scorpion centaur twinks with no mouths. <laughs> I forgot to mention that there there are several points in the book where it says they have to attach their like weapons to their tails because they have no upper body strength. Oh, okay. And so someone on Tumblr did say, "I'm glad the books are all take always take the opportunity to remind us that Andalites are twinks." <laughs> Animorphs, the gayest series. Yes. <laughs> in a way, it's definitely sounds a lot gayer than most of the other sci-fi I've heard about. 
That might just be me explaining it. Yeah, but at the same time, I have heard a lot about sci-fi, and holy shit. It's mostly the dudes writing it who are, like, trying to do as much no-homo as possible. Ugh. Yeah. Especially the older works. Because, yeah. My favorite worst example of sci-fi queerness <laughs> is the first Mass Effect games. Yeah. Where it's like, you can be gay, but only if you're a girl, and only with the alien species, it has, like, sex work as part of their culture. Yeah. Ugh. I just... I'm waiting... I'm waiting for the day when speculative fiction gets over its fucking self. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, so anyway. Let's animate this. We could probably... If all else fails, we could probably find some, like, young, trying to start up Montreal-based animation group, or Toronto-based animation group, to do this. And then mm -hmm. somehow sell this to Netflix. Hell, I would be fine if it was animated by the people who did, like, Avatar and Voltron. Yeah. Maybe not written by them. <laughs> Maybe not written by the Voltron writers? They tried, but... Lindsay, remember when Voltron was good? Yeah. I'm glad I only watched two seasons. Oh, yeah, you're lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Robot Voltron is out. Flesh Voltron is in. Oh, stop! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that one clip from One Piece where, like, Chopper gets real big and the other four crew members are just clinging to his limbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like, because with the Andalites, they would not work on live action even now no. unless you could get like the best CGI. I don't want to be practical effects. They tried the practical effects for the Nickelodeon show. Yeah, there were many uh, puppet heads on sticks and... <laughs> it just doesn't work. Creative ways to disguise the fact that this is a person who's only wearing like two prosthetics. Like there's a scene where Axe is just like hiding behind a bunch of trees but still just regular talking to the other Animorphs. There's, there's many times where they forget the fact that he is a horse body yeah, like, okay, here's my thing. I love practical effects. I think practical effects are still some of the best effects that you can do. Because on top of that, you get, like, the whole actors are interacting with something that is real. The problem with speculative fiction in general, it's the speculative part of how do mm -hmm. we how do we visualize this? And it usually fails. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, okay, fantasy does have the advantage that we as a civilization have preconceptions on what a dragon is supposed to look like. And a dragon, like, dragon biology is cribbed from things that we already know what they look like. Yeah. Like lizards and gators and stuff. Yeah. Like, a unicorn, all you have to do is find a white horse and then stick a horn on it. Yes. And then it eats someone's nipple. <laughs> um, but with, or also, if you think of stuff like the thing, okay, actually, Lindsay, do not think about the thing. Listen to me talk about the thing, but don't think about the thing. <laughs> I'm fine with the thing. I I have come to know it enough that I am fine with it. I just don't watch it. You know I'm talking about John Carpenter. Yeah, I, I know, okay, I just know. just checking. Yeah. Whenever somebody plays a clip of it, I'm just like, nope! Um, but the thing about the thing is that uh, it's like human adjacent. Yeah. So that's like another domain where the practical effects work, where it's like, even if you know that this is a this is no longer a person, this is now a puppet that's just person-shaped, but it it just, it falls just past that other point of the Uncanny Valley. Yeah. It's also like with um, Alien. Alien and Predator. Yes. Yeah. Well, Alien really, Predator works because it, most of it is just a guy in a suit. Yeah. Alien really works because it's like 
biomechanical. Yeah, and... Which I do like the design there. I kind of like... They did it so that it blends into the ship naturally. Yeah, and also they were filming on a pretty dark soundstage anyway, so... Yes. And that's the other thing, is that it, it's dark. Yeah. They, like, they, they use so much darkness to hide the Andalite bodies. But yeah, between darkness and trees and painting a horse blue. <laughs> that could not have been good for the horse. <laughs> it's even worse in, like, in the universe of the show because it was Cassie who morphed a horse and then they painted her blue. Okay. Okay, so yeah, it the the only way that we're gonna be able to adapt this is animation. We'll go to some studio. We'll find someone, even if it means having to go down to Toronto. Oh no, Toronto! <laughs> I have an aversion to Toronto. Okay, but what if we were going down to Toronto to make millions, not millions, to make hundreds of dollars <laughs> off of our animorphs pitch? As long as we stay far, far away from CBC headquarters, that'll be great. <laughs> What's wrong with CBC? Do they have the fucking ISOR on there? <laughs> oh, you know what happens to TV shows at the CBC. That's true. <laughs> Listen, we just, we just both have to marry someone who works there, and then we are as gods. <laughs> that is true! <laughs> As long as you're connected to someone there, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yep. <laughs> that's how... Oh, that's how this one actor from um, Little House on the Prairie got, like, multiple credits on that show and then got his own show. He was married to... Oh, someone high up in the... Yeah, one of the real high ups. Yeah. Like, good job. Yeah. Um, also, we should explain to um, our non-Canadian listeners what the, the Canadian CB Broadcasting Corporation. It's one of our channels here. They're the most Canadian of all the channels. They're like they try to be the BBC, but fail regularly. <laughs> like we even have a period detective drama in Murdoch Mysteries. <laughs> oh, that's still limping on. Yeah. Great, Scott. <laughs> We can circle this back to Animorphs in two ways. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> um, for, well, for one, the fact that Animorphs was shot in Canada. Yeah. And m most of the cast was Canadian, including Jake was played by uh, Canadian National Treasure Sean Ashmore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Iceman. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is that, uh, speaking of the all-seeing, all-knowing eye of the CBC, and <laughs> <laughs> the Space Gamer Devil was based off of Sauron because, like, the first time we see him, he's like this giant glowing red eye in a tower. Oh! Joy! And his his number one minion is Dehydrated Barney. <laughs> oh my god! I'm suddenly in love with Animorphs. Gah! This series is so good. Um, there's, there's really not much else I can say about that. We've been going for an hour, so I don't want this to turn into another two-hour Sailor Moon thing. But yeah. on the flip side, um, if you give me a number from 1 to 54, I'll tell you which Animorphs book, what happened in that Animorphs book. <laughs> okay. Uh, 12. Well, now I have to wait for it to load. Ah! 
Number 12 was The Reaction. Oh, that's the one where Rachel burps an alligator out of her body. <laughs> of course I picked that one! It also features such fun as Cassie having to morph a squirrel in order to distract the now living, breathing alligator. Okay. And then it runs on stage in the middle of a talk show. <laughs> and that's the one that had knockoff Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and he was so traumatized by these events that he moved to Peru. <laughs> Of course I picked the weird one. Yeah. Oh, there, there, give me another one. There's plenty. Uh, 22. Book number 22 is The Solution. Oh, oh shit. I forgot to tell you about David. Okay. David's the evil animorph. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So books 20, 21, and 22 are known as the David Trilogy. There's this kid named David who is able to find the blue box that gives the Animorphs their morphing technology okay. because it was lost in the first book. But he finds it and he puts it up on eBay and immediately gets attacked by the aliens. And yeah. so the Animorphs rescue him and they're like, well, he can't really go anywhere else. So we're going to give him the morphing ability and he's going to become the newest Animorph. Yeah. But David is also a little sociopath. Ooh. He does end up acquiring several of the Animorphs and, like, playing mind games with them. He beats up Axe while morphed as Marco. Ugh. He, like, goes on a killing spree of red-tailed hawks trying to find Tobias. Jeez. And the trilogy ends with them tricking him into morphing a mouse and then trapping him in a little box so that he can't demorph until the two-hour time limit has passed. Ooh. So he's trapped as a mouse, and then they leave him on an island off the coast of their town, and then, like, the book ends with them talking about how kids have started thinking the island's haunted because they keep hearing screaming coming from it. <laughs> the darkest version of Redwall right there. Yes! Let's see, what were some of the other Wet and Wild ones? Uh, well, specifically Wet and Wild, number 36, The Mutation, was the one where they go underwater on a regular search for some stuff, and they find Atlantis. Cool. Which was populated by, like, people that mutated from humans who were, like, stuck under there with ra a radioactive bomb or something. And they okay. kidnap the surface dwellers that they're able to get a hold of to continue their breeding. Okay. And they never show up again. That sounds like a very filler book. Oh, it's super filler. Like, it's weird because a whole bunch of the other weird aliens that show up, at least they're referenced. If they don't show up again, they're referenced and, like, kind of plot-relevant. Like, yeah. the the Helmicrons were fun, because they're one inch tall, and <laughs> they're one inch tall, they are very aggressive, and try to kidnap the Animorphs. They do have shrink rays, okay. and whenever someone is promoted to leader, they are then killed, so that they don't make any bad decisions. <laughs> that's, a, that's a way to run a government. There was the one where they accidentally gave morphing power to a muskox. Okay. There was the one where Jake went to the future, but it was a dream. Okay. There was another Helmicron one where they lodged themselves inside Marco's nose and threatened to detonate a thermonuclear device inside of it. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, let's see what we got. We got a weird tv show about kids who transform into animals and we're gonna animate it probably in an anime-esque style and it's gonna get gory the other option is a graphic novel 
And that's that's something like every few years you hear a murmuring that they are going to start adapting it into graphic novels, but then nothing's come of it yet. Okay, well. But fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, and hopefully they find someone good, not, you know, DC and Marvel who don't have their Oh no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't even go close to DC and Marvel. They would go to like boom or image yeah or maybe even first second because first second are doing the um the adventure zone graphic novels yeah or maybe some indie publisher who's got to deal with a bigger publisher because from what i understand the comic book industry is actually pretty okay except for marvel and dc yeah outside of the big two yeah look we'll we will fix marvel at a different date Yes, that's going to be one of our big episodes. We're rebooting Marvel from its entirety. <laughs> Look, we're going to pull... Okay, anyway. Anyway, Animorphs, so yeah, either yeah. Cart- cart- Animorphs, the- Animorphs the Animation or Animorphs the Graphic Novel. Or we could do Video Game. They did actually make two video games for Animorphs, but they weren't that great. Yeah. I think an Animorphs video game nowadays you could do really well. Yeah, like better technology, better rendering stuff. What mm-hmm. sort of video game would would you think would work? Um, um, either something kind of like Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. Maybe not that big. Maybe uh, maybe closer to like one of the Arkham games, like Arkham City or Arkham Asylum. Okay, yeah. Because you'd want to actually no, maybe no, yeah. I'm I'm going back to Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, because you'd yeah. want. You'd want, like, the city and the surrounding area. Yeah. And you'd have missions pop up as you progress the plot. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty pretty good. Because um, then you could, you could fit in a lot of stuff. Like, you're doing the main plot where you're trying to gain access to the Yerk Pool and destroy one of it. Or shut down the Kendron Array that helps feed the Yerks. But also maybe you'll find the side quest yeah. involving the hork colony. Or the one where... They use the instant maple oatmeal to drive the Yerks insane because it's like drugs to them. Okay. <laughs> There's a scientific explanation for that. We're just not going to bother with it. There was also an Animorphs board game that I had. Okay. It was alright. Like, it wasn't anything special, but it was also like, it had more depth than just a Candyland or some shit like that. Yeah. You had to, you had to think. You had, and yeah. there was like... Stuff. There was stuff. You know, you could probably do a board game a la, like, a Euro game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Focus more on the teamwork side, and... And I'm sure you can hack several different tabletop systems to do an Animorphs. Oh, yeah. That too. Yeah. Actually, I think... I want to take a look at uh, Bubblegum Shoe. I feel okay. like that could actually work well for an Animorphs with a bit of tweaking. Yeah. But yeah, because those, let's see, those are where you should have put your money in, but instead they put everything into toys and a television show. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. No one knew what they were doing. No one had mm-hmm. any idea how gay things were. Yeah. It's like everybody's coming off of their 80s cocaine highs and is kind of scrambling for ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, like the immediate thought, because you're still in a fairly 80s mentality, is toys. Yeah. Merchandising. Merchandise. The only reason why we make cartoons is so that we can sell the toys to go with it. So, now that we've come to the end, Lindsay, where can people find you on the internet? I'm at lindsaym476, that's Lindsay spelled with an A, on Twitter, and you can get to all of my other social media bullshits, and I am going to plug especially the Pinterest because it's going to be relevant to my clue for tonight. Tanner, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, and you can find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. That is pronounced Nyerif? And also, if you have any comments, critiques, or ideas for other things we should reboot, then you can feel free to tweet us there, or you can email at you can uh, you can email at us at an email address at notifyrebootyoufirst at gmail.com. That will be in the show notes. Also, do we want to put out a call for uh, guests yet? Sure, why not? Because we, yeah, yeah, so we are looking to bring in some guests, not until January, because we're st- set until the end of the year, and we have plans, at least I have plans, I have jingle plans, I have candlelights plans. I don't know about Lindsay. I am trying to push Christmas as far away from me as possible. Lindsay's going to show up with a- another rebooted horror movie to bring more <laughs> communism to it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we're doing Soviet Friday the 13th. <laughs> Actually, that might be a good one. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, so if you would like to be a guest star on this show and bring your own thing that you'd like to be rebooted for whatever, whatever you want, the old, new, gay, straight, 90s, 80s, 2000s, even if it's a show, if you're already itching to reboot Chilean Adventures of Sabrina, even though it just came out a month ago, go for it, lads. Well, with that and my um, desire to be as grinchy as possible about Christmas, though I also didn't really find any um, Christmas movies yet that I want to reboot. Are you rebooting The Grinch? No, God! Are we canceling out the new Grinch movie? Look, none of the Grinch movies beyond the original animated one exist, okay? Lindsay, I think the new Grinch is sexy. <laughs> Lindsay, I'm gonna... Pr- Lindsay, can I quickly promo my new Grinchler blog? It's like the Grinch, but he's also the Onceler. We do not speak about the Onceler in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all these people worried about people finding the Grinch sexy. Like, I lived through the all the Onceler. I lived through Truffle Flu. On Tumblr, when I first started, that was my entry point to Tumblr. I mean, I wasn't part of the Onceler fandom, but that was everything I saw, was Onceler this, Onceler that. I lived through that. I'm yeah, your, your yeah. children, if you think that's going to stress you out. Calm <laughs> down, you Look, fools. We, you we were both weapons. on Tumblr back when it was still kind of fun to be on Tumblr. Back when Tumblr was allegedly a website. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, I haven't been thinking about any Christmas movies because I am not in the Christmas mood yet. It is still fucking November. God damn, calm yourselves. <laughs> I wish I had my Santa hat out so I could just <laughs> pop it on. But, there has been one uh, property out there that I've been wanting to franchise, and it is an old idea. It is a familiar idea to you, Tanner, from back in the days when we used to hang out. Hmm. The clue is rather simple, simple too. It is rather elementary, my dear Tanner. Yes! <laughs> See y'all next time! Bye! Bye!
after the whole James Gunn thing, Disney has revealed itself to be the corporate, heartless company that it is. God, I am being redundant. Anyway, it's basically the Coralonis. So we could totally get Mafia on Marvel and be like, Nice company you have here would be a shame if something happened to it. (laughs) 